0: there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy Podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. So welcome to the live healthy podcast. I'm here with Helen Plage, who is a rapid transformational therapy practitioner. Is that the right thing to say? Is that the right thing to call you? Yes. And welcome to the podcast. Full disclosure. I know Helen personally, because I went to her for rapid transformational therapy after having a session with Marisa Peer, who invented it. And then I searched and found you or someone actually someone recommended you. Yeah, someone in a group I'm in said you highly recommended you. So I think we should just off the top describe for people what rapid transformational therapy is, and and then we can get into why you might uh, want it. to do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course. So rapid transformational therapy is a specific process that's done using hypnosis, and when you use hypnosis, you have greater access to the body mind connection which is where a lot of the problems are often stored that people want to like release and get over. And essentially it combines a lot of principles of cognitive behavioral therapy, NLP. It definitely uses hypnosis in the process. Plus it has a meditative aspect where you get a specific recording and meditation for you so that you do begin to think in different ways. And I think that's one real big key thing that a lot of people forget um, you know, you need to consciously think differently and you can do that in an easier manner when you let go of the baggage and you let go of the past. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the process at a high level.
0: And Marisa Sapir came up with this therapy, as I understand it, because to- talk therapy doesn't work for everyone and it can't always access what we're trying to get at with the rapid transformational therapy. So what are we trying to get at and why sometimes does talk therapy just not do it?
1: Yeah. So, in terms of if you understand a little bit about human biology, then you'll understand why talk therapy um, is not able to change your reactions that are formed from a young age. So, part of it comes back to traditional talk therapy, depending upon who you go to and uh, what modalities they use and what rapport you actually have with them as well. Like it comes down to a personal connection. Um, and when you speak about things, you can intellectualize them, but we are mind, emotion, body, and energetic beings, if that's what you believe in. And when the modality doesn't address all of those elements, then you won't actually be able to kind of let it go, reprocess it and disconnect from it to be able to move forward. And when you understand a little bit more about human biology, you know, you've got something called the HPA access. I'm not going to go into it in a lot of detail, but I do think that anyone listening to this should do their own research on it. And essentially it's it's what activates the fight or flight response. So as you, you know, as you develop as a child, you're going to have a set base of what you know to be safe. And if happiness and joy was safe in your household and it was prevalent all the time, then you would expect everything to be happy and safe. So, when you go out into the real world, you're going to be traumatized because the real world's not happy and safe. And then you can flip that around. Whereas if, you know, being at home was always angry or upset due to illness or some other problems in the family, then that would become your normal. And that's what you would be sensitized to. And that's what you would be looking for. And it's really only with hypnosis and doing a combination of maybe other sorts of body therapies plus something mental that will actually allow you to change that.
0: And we're talking about essentially the buzziest of buzzwords, but it's trauma, but what we're talking about trauma. And I always say you didn't have to be chained to a radiator when you were a kid to experience Mm -hmm. trauma. There is a term called adverse childhood experiences And I want Mm -hmm. to get into that a little bit. It's just, can you explain? It's just things that happened in your childhood that were not great that you didn't process completely that live in your body as an adult. Can Mm -hmm. you sort of, yeah. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, of course. So the background behind ACE scores is that it was developed in an obesity clinic in the U S so it was for kind of middle white America with some Hispanic influences, but essentially they There was over 2,000 people in this study, I believe, and they, under, they wanted to understand what is it that all these people had in common from that childhood that resulted in them being obese. And that's how adverse childhood experiences came about. And essentially what happens is it's around either neglect, uh, family dysfunction, or abuse. So in terms of it could be an obvious thing, and like I say to clients when they come to see me, like, you know, if you grew up with domestic violence, you know that that is wrong and it's like going to a doctor and saying I have a broken leg. You kind of know what you're going to have to do to help the leg heal. Whereas when you, you when somebody comes to me and they say, you know, I have everything to be happy for and I'm not, you know, my childhood was okay and this is where childhood emotional neglect, um, this is where... Emotional enmeshment kind of comes into play. It's like, how happy were your parents? So, something like one parent constantly criticizing another parent and complaining about them to you is enough to cause you to be anxious as a child. It's enough for you to cause to be, I need to be the hero. I need to fix something. I need to help, you know, the the parent that's complaining. And that means that you disconnect from your own needs, which means that your needs don't matter. Then you suppress them and then you become a people pleaser. And then this this is why it's really important for everyone to understand a scores because if they're not impacting you directly, they're impacting either your parents, a family member, a work colleague. And when you find somebody's not responding in an appropriate way to a situation, It's often because these triggers have been suppressed. And then when you get a stressful enough situation, like a pandemic, then this kind of reactivates and re-traumatizes people. So it all comes up to the surface.
0: Do you find there's a reluctance in people to even address that they have these in their past?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like a lot of people uh, don't want to believe that the past and the childhood is what's still impacting them. Um, and you know, it comes back to, we know that most people have midlife crisis (laughs) and we also know that most people would agree that, you know, you have a Pandora's box or boxes of things that you don't want to address. And essentially this is just what I would say is the trauma that's living in your system and in your body that needs to be proactively addressed by you, unless you want to have some sort of crisis come into your life. (laughs) So it's
0: like, all of that stuff gets buried. Is it, is it in your subconscious? And is it affecting you in your conscious life? Like, how does that work? So what's it like yeah. case study sort of?
1: So, so in terms of what it does do is it creates rules and conditions and patterns for safety and behavior. So it's not that every single event, will be stored. But it's more about when somebody speaks louder than me, I don't have any power and then I carry that into my work-life situation and I get anxious when I speak up in meetings because everyone in the meeting has more power than me. So it's it's kind of stored in rules of behavior and when you think about, um, you know, there's three levels of the brain. So you have the prefrontal cortex, which is um conscious executive functioning which is what we're using right now but then you have the emotional brain and then the reptilian brain these are basic loose terms that most people w- would use and understand and it's that reactionary element whatever you react to is something that's been stored in your brain body connection um knowing that your nervous system is connected to this part of the brain which means that your organs it's going to you know be flooding you with adrenaline when you don't feel safe So if you feel anxious, your body's going to be flooded with hormones. And if you don't move, which is what would have been a primal response, and you're sitting there in this meeting and you're not doing anything, then it's going to result in you not having a great experience at work. I
0: like that saying, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Like if the reaction is is outsized to what's actually happened, do you you find that?
1: Completely agree. Yeah, completely agree and understand. And what I would also add to that is if you're not sleeping well, um, you know, if it's not good quality sleep and you don't get enough of it, that's essentially going to make you more hysterical than anything else. So if you go throughout life sleep deprived, then that's going to allow for, you know, the hysterical elements of your nervous system to be activated in a greater way than if you were sleeping properly.
0: And these old incidents can interrupt your sleep as well, right? When you, hit, when you get to midlife and you start having this crisis or whatever, can it, that can interrupt yeah. your sleep?
1: Yeah, a lot of things, yes, because, because essentially um, anything, like, anything that's stressful is going to activate this. And I think by the time you get you know, to midlife, they kind of say the midlife is the most unhappiest time of your life. Because, you know, you have the expectations of getting there and then you kind of go, oh, here I am, what is this? And then you have complete acceptance and then your happiness levels go back up after complete acceptance. So when you think about it's probably the peak time of financial um, analysis and, you know, what are we going to do to retire, peak debt time. A lot of people have children and families and other obligations, you know, we're living overseas, and when you find that you're living away from family and friends, that's quite a stressful time as as well. So when you think about if I'm not sleeping and I'm in a stressful situation, then, of course, this is going to reactivate trauma. And I think what's been missing in a lot of medical um, practices and education over the years is that they've not really discussed adverse childhood experiences. Like if somebody had to set me down uh, 20, 25 years ago and kind of gone, hey, here's something that you need to understand about how humans evolve and develop. What if this is relevant to you? And here's how it might impact you down the line. And here are some things that you could look at doing in terms of what skills you need to develop, what you need to do for your body how you can actually let go of these things, that would have been way more beneficial for me right now than having to go through a career change. <laughs> like, <What? you> know? <laughs> it's like <laughs> I've gone from business, you know, VP analytical roles to emotional analysis, which is kind of what I do, emotional analysis and release.
0: Well, this happens all the time because you get to you get to the middle age and you, you wonder what you're doing and what what you want to keep doing. And oftentimes when you go through this sort of metamorphosis, you can't keep doing what you've been doing, right? Like you're almost not able to. Did you find that?
1: So I found that I got to a particular level where I didn't want to go any higher and I was just replicating what I already knew. So there was no newness to it. And when you go into a new environment and you're an established expert in what you do, the pace And the time in which you want to implement versus which is realistic for the business to implement, there's a disconnect there. And I just think that sometimes, you know, you get to a certain level, you just want things done and when they don't happen, you then begin to self-reflect and go, okay, I have everything to be happy for in life, yet I'm still either frustrated or searching for something. And that kind of led me to a path of retraining. Like I studied NLP and then after NLP, I was like, no, there's more that I wanna study. And then I came across Marissa Peer's work at the time that helped me understand some things that were coming from the past. And a way for people to understand whether or not um, hypnosis or RTT is right for them, is that if they're constantly referring to memories from the past, it's like, let's just say you have an interaction and there's a lot of conflict in there. And you kind of go, oh, well, that reminds me of this memory. And that's quite an easy thing for you to happen. That's one sign that something's been op- like the Pandora's box is beginning to open. So you want to be proactive and address it before you hysterically react like, like this is how I operate and advise people.
0: I always think I always see people start getting really weird in their 40s. And I think it's because everyone's like a pot with a lid on it and the lid is like clinging Uh, you know, before the pasta or the rice boils over. Like, that's kind of what it seems to me to be like a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's exactly like that. And it's also like a volcano. You have like, you know, like these key fundamental areas of your life. And when one of them just crumbles or collides with another in a negative way, the steam, the smoke, the lava, it all just kind of comes out in quite a destructive way as well. It's not, it's not in a way that You're managing it proactively. And to be honest, when you're in your 40s, you technically do have the skills to be able to navigate all of these situations. But when your trauma is triggered, you find yourself with, you know, the vocabulary and sophistication of like a five or 10 year old, like in some situations. And you're like, how can I not express myself? I know all of these things, but yet I defer to really primitive primal responses.
0: That is so interesting. Now, um, I have a friend who's from Lebanon who's always saying, what, you guys, like this is a very, I feel like this mm. is a very white, like uh, Western thing. And he's he sort of makes fun of me because he says, how many different kinds of coaches can you have? And is this something that other people, like in the Arabic region, in the Arab region, is, mm-hmm. this, is this also, like, is this across cultures or is this sort of a Western thing? Like, how does this work? Because if someone's grown up, you know, we're talking about sort of privileged households, but but with like, well, and I, we're not talking about privileged households, but we're talking about privilege mm-hmm. a little bit, right? Where you've grown up in a house where you had everything, all your needs were met, but your maybe emotional needs weren't met. But what about mm-hmm. people who grew up in houses where they didn't have everything, or they mm-hmm. just grew up in different parts of the world? Am I making any sense? Like, is there, can yeah, you have any uh, reflections on that? Yeah.
1: So I have clients from all different sorts of nationalities, and it's it's not about um, it's more about how confusing and how different your life was to everybody else around you than comparing it across cultures and nationalities. So as an example, um, you know, in Lebanon, my clients will often come to me and say, oh, yeah, I had a great childhood. And I'm like, well, did you grow up in the war? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, you define great ch- childhood as growing up in the war. And you go, okay. Well, that's going to just have a basic impact on what you define as safe or unsafe. Now, let's just say the parents were also arguing that's an extra level and layer of of what is not safe. And let's just say they had 20 other friends and families that were all the same and they stay in that environment. And if they, if they're contained and they stay in that environment and they stay in those dynamics, chances are they will be familiar with that and they won't need to address it until they move out of that environment and they see a different life elsewhere. So it's more about um, if everybody else was going through what I was going through, then I feel the same, and that means that I belong. But if you're the only kid that has divorced parents and everybody else has married parents, then that makes you – outside the group so you don't belong and so it's more about the different the similarities and the differences than the absolute examples with the caveat of the absolute examples do have an impact on people's on the way they interact i mean when you think about some of these people how how loud are they do they speak over you know do they speak over you you know, are they hard to be around? Are they draining to be around or are they energizing to be around? And, and yeah, you're smiling a lot now. So, so it, it's, it does impact you. And also one thing to say about ACE scores is that because it was developed in the U S um, it does exclude things like war and other, you know, family trauma that's passed down and, you know, it, it's something that needs to be addressed and discussed.
0: Okay, so walk us through your approach. like what can people expect if they come to you?
1: Yeah, so if people come to me, um I have like a pre-call with them, so I get them to fill in a form uh, so that I understand what they want to achieve, and then we get on a call and I ask them about their background so that I kind of so that I can ask about the dynamics between you know, the family dynamics, the parent dynamics, what they were exposed to and maybe what they weren't exposed to. Um, because sometimes people have misconceptions around, you know, either what the process is, what hypnosis is, what it is like to work with me. And for some people I'll get them in straight away for others, I'll give them some homework to do some reading, um, just based on where I would assess their readiness and openness for doing RTTs. And then we have like a two hour session where we do the deep dive and the release of the past and the reprocessing. And then uh, I give them a meditation and then we catch up in three weeks time just to understand what's going on in their life and what's changed.
0: Yeah. I can say you're you're really on top of it. Like you don't just leave. You're like, you're there and you're like, are you doing the meditation that I sent you? Follow up with the meditation. Do people know always what the, you know, you'll go back to a specific incident. I remember that. Do people always remember that incident? cognitive
1: like no present or no so uh so there's a couple of different ways some people don't have a lot of memories of their childhood and they can still do this process because essentially it's about the feeling and the meaning that you gave it at the time so i don't feel safe i feel alone and that means that maybe my life is always going to be this way or i'll always have to modify who i am to be accepted and it's really about understanding that in the mind Some people go back to detailed uh, memories, which is great for them because you know it's what they expect. But it's not absolutely necessary. Like there's many different things that you can do um, while you're hypnotized, and RTT has about four or five different tools and techniques that you can do um, to help people access different beliefs and feelings to be able to let them go. Is there a danger zone? Like if people get
0: really, really, really upset, like is there, do you ever pull them back out of hypnotherapy?
1: So it's not about, yeah. So that would be like 0.1% of like experiences where they would go back and feel like they were in the memory. And there's a very specific process that you take that person through and it's about reminding them, you know, they're in the room. So it's not about pulling them out. It's about um, adjusting their perception of the event so that they can process it and, and analyze it. But that's incredibly rare. Like that's, yeah, it almost doesn't happen.
0: And theoretically, you only need one or a few of these sessions, unlike talk therapy. Is, is that correct?
1: Yeah, so it depends on... um how many areas you want to address. So as an example, if somebody's done talk therapy, but they're still very emotional and they've not had career success, then that sort of a person would need to learn skills. So they would have additional homework of going away, getting communication skills or whatever is deemed to be appropriate for that person. I have a form that people fill in and there's about 15 different areas that I get them to rate themselves out of 10. When somebody comes in and they have more than five areas rated as a 10 out of 10, this is, this is somebody who needs like at least um, six sessions to clear the base to understand where they are. So the way that I work is, um, you know, you might tell me I want to be a CEO and I will advise you, let's just get rid of some of the baggage to understand if that's really what you want. Because you want what you want right now based on all of your past experiences that have not been processed. Yeah, and 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 it's that what's not being processed is impacting you right now, which means that when you process it, you'll be like, oh, okay, I don't I don't need to be the high executive. Um, you know, I have a lot of women who once they go through one or two sessions of RTT, they're like, actually, I want to really love my husband and have a great marriage, and that's more important to me than getting the title and having the career. And when you look at that, that in itself kind of says, okay, what do people really want and why do they want it? And when you remove the the natural drivers behind what it is that they're chasing, then you can help them assess what they want.
0: Well, do they want to be the CEO because they think at that point that everyone would listen to them and they'd finally have some power?
1: Whatever. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it comes down to all those things, yeah, and and I think it comes down to not actually understanding what a CEO does, mm. like like this title. The chase for title is is really, um, you know. And I would say that you know we grew up in an era where it was like you must be an independent career woman, like that was really kind of pushed down our throats, right? um you know and i'm gonna say in a in a somewhat emasculating way for for men as well and and it it wasn't about what skills do you need and how do you collaborate it was more about you must do this and Mm. it's not healthy it's not healthy and to be honest it's not true to most women's nature and i think they get to a certain age and then they kind of realize actually you know we weren't really told the truth
0: yeah, and for all managers, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you're you're going to be a bad manager. Which is, we've all had those managers, right? They don't really know how to deal with people, and they don't—they're just mm-hmm. not doing it for the right reason. So it's on all sides, yeah. on all sides, yeah. it's, it's a good thing to figure out why you want to move up in your job. Like I love the fact that you said I didn't want to go any higher, like, and you explained that what you you mm-hmm. just didn't want, you didn't want any more responsibility?
1: No, no. It's like, um, I got to the level where I, you know, I had enough savings and investments and I was like, I'm finally going to like, just do things that purely I want to do. And that's what I did. And, you know, that comes with self-discipline. It comes with, you know, knowing and owning your worth and being able to negotiate pay rises and lead teams and, You know, there was a while there where I I had to um, upskill a team and there was no budget to send everybody on training. So it was like, how do I do this? And I was like, okay, we're having weekly meetings and I'm going to talk about self-development. And that's kind of, that probably kicked off why I am doing what I'm doing right now because that brought me more joy than anything else. It's like, oh, you get a business case approved, big deal. But like, you know, you see somebody's eyes light up when they learn something and you see them present differently at work and you empower them because maybe their manager couldn't do that. You know, like we work in hierarchies. So if the message is not going down, how do you communicate the message to everyone?
0: Okay. So just from what you've seen since you've been doing this, what's your advice to someone who's really struggling and just doesn't know what to do next and has an idea that they're they're struggling but they didn't yeah they're struggling they don't know what to do they're lost because I work in this and I know more about it and I still have struggled finding the right thing and trying the right thing and knowing who to choose to do it and what modality so I'm just wondering what your take is
1: um my take is you will have to do an element of something that's like hypnosis especially if you've got a confusing past. Um, Something like EMDR, which is the eye movement desensitization that works with specific events. So you could either do a lot of research on different modalities or you could just start straight with hypnosis and then see where that leads you. Um, Ask trusted people where you've seen a change in them and you can't pinpoint because a lot of people will recommend the therapists thinking that they're the that they're you know the greatest things. Oh, we have a, such a great relationship. At the end of the day, you need to understand how much you're willing to be pushed. And I, I tell all my clients, I'm going to tell you some hard truths, <laughs> and and they want it like like they really do. They don't want and. They don't want to just sit there and talk and I'll say to them, you're talking too much. Like this this story has is so embedded and ingrained in you. Can you just pause for a moment and just tell me in one sentence the summary of all of those ten memories that you've just told me about? And that just stops them. So in terms of, um, I, look, I personally believe that the right mix is maybe 50 to 70% uh, hypnotherapy or anything to do with body release trauma. And then there's always going to be an element of you will need talking and coaching for skills. And what that is um, is going to depend upon you and what it is that you want to achieve.
0: And no matter what you do, like talk, talk therapy, I've done it as well. But I feel like mm. in a lot of situations or in some situations, it can become a circle, right? It's just a place you go to talk about what's mm. going on in your life. You're not really getting at anything. But I find yeah. also people there's work involved at getting at that stuff. And so it's, if you do take the step to therapy, it can then be a way to not do unearthing work, depending on what kind of therapist you have.
1: It, yeah, it can be. And, and at the end of the day, I think always look for somebody who's resolved what you're seeking to resolve and achieve. Like, like that for me is it's, it's just a game changer at the end of the day. We have a nervous system and there are ways that we're communicating with each other through either voice, tone, um, authority, sens- you know, sincerity, and you're going to know whether or not somebody's able to help you. So don't force a connection with a therapist if it's not there. Yeah. It's probably even if they are an expert, it might not be right for you. And it's important for people to understand that talking might be the right thing for now because, you might not want to um, open something that you don't want to address right now, which I think is what most people think is going to happen with hypnosis. But essentially you kind of open it and you close it and then you go away and then you come back and then you open it and then you close it and then you get like rid of some more stuff. It's not like it's this open thing that just keeps happening. Well, it's amazing
0: over my lifetime to just see all the different modalities but then you know hypnotherapy has been around ever since i was a kid too so it's like everything's old it becomes new and and offered in different ways so it's really cool i can highly recommend
1: um what was the biggest difference that you found compared to talk therapy to to what we did
0: Well, in talk therapy, you have to do it for so long before you feel comfortable to get to what some of the issues are. And then I also found that what I thought were the issues didn't turn out to be the issues. Like, you know, you have the obvious, maybe you have an angry parent. So you think that's what you're going to be exploring, but maybe your other parent was um, sparked some problems in their own way. And the therapist can kind of spot that. But I just, it's very hard to get going. In therapy, Mm -hmm. like it's very awkward for a lot of people. They'll go to one, they'll go to two. Therapists say people cancel a lot, right? And no wonder because Mm -hmm. it's so awkward to go just sit. And if the therapist is a little bit awkward too, then you're going to, you know, like the therapist has to be sort of charming and make you feel at home when you're sitting there like struggling for words. You know, like that was really cool when you said you sort of lose your power of speaking when you're talking about these really emotional things. So for me mm-hmm. to just be able to, you're, you're very engaging you, the pre-call and then you come for the actual, you know, therapy in the hypnosis and you can just get into it right away. And I felt that it really shifted. And then of course I didn't want to do the meditation that you sent me because who <laughs> wants to do something every day, but you've been there reminding me that I need to, and I have been, and it's like very helpful. Yeah. It just yeah. felt, just felt more um, utilitarian, more useful, more um, more effective in a way than, you know, I, I was in therapy for several years and, you know, I just think therapy can become a bit of a crutch. You know, I, I think you can get into therapy and you're, you know, some people, I, I was talking to someone who doesn't want to stop therapy, but she just like, she likes talking to her therapist. And I was like, well, I don't, that's very expensive. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's what I, I just felt more useful, more effective, you know, even for the, for the, um, value, like more valuable for the, for the money you're spending. That's how it felt to me.
1: Yeah. And I think that's one thing that people don't reflect on. It's, it's the amount of hours it's like, so in total, the process that we had was about three hours Mm -hmm. compared to years of therapy. Mm -hmm. Correct me if what I'm saying is wrong, but you've just said, I've had years of therapy, and I had three hours with you, plus the homework that I did with yeah. the meditation. And, and they found spent 1500 that
0: fifteen hundred dirhams, which people balk at, but there are ther- there are people paying for therapy that's eight hundred dirhams a session.
1: Yeah, And know. You know, yeah, if you are
0: lucky, to- you can get something lower than that, but it's very expensive now, particularly in this country. So it's hundreds of dirhams a session, and so it's funny how you can be like, "Ooh, fifteen hundred dirhams is quite a quite a lot," but really. Compared to therapy, yeah, it's not. It's a bargain, Helen. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and that's the thing. It's like if people actually understood the results that they could get. And, you know, it's important to understand that, um, you know, as somebody gets more experience in what they do, the results that they can achieve for people is also increased and amplified. Like I know we had our session a while back, but between now and then, like, whatever I continue to resolve within my own um, being and and energy just means that the session changes. So, so yeah, so in terms of um, it is something that I think everybody should do and try, Uh, make sure that you have like a resonance with the person it is. Ask them a lot of questions about the topics it is that you're wanting to resolve and what their experience is and, and how they've found people change with the work that they've done and how long it's taken them. Um, you know, there's a lot of newly qualified people, which is, which is fine. It is what it is. Um, you know, just understand that there, and a lot of people come to me saying, is this the best life is going to get? I'm going to have an intellectual understanding of all my problems and still be triggered by them. And I'm like, no, you just need to continue to do this. And it's something where you do it once and you go away and you feel great And then you'll go, oh, life is presenting me with a different problem. So I have to go and work on this other thing. It's not like a, I wish I could say that everyone could just come a set number of times, but depending upon what you want to achieve, feel and experience in life. Like if you want to feel in a peace all the time, there's going to be a lot of letting go of things that you want. So you either kind of go, well, how do I just process and live in the moment? and know that, you know, my emotions are my emotions? Or do I want to be some sort of monk achieving inner peace with everything that's around me? And that kind of comes down to you.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so how do people find you?
1: Yeah, um, so I am on Instagram with the tag uh, Your Liberated Mind and because it's about you, it's not about me, and it's about you freeing your mind and freeing your body. And I also have a website. So the same name, www.yourliberatedmind.com or I am on LinkedIn as Helen Plaich P-L-E-I-C. Thank
0: you so much. I highly recommend this. Thank you. (laughs) That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.